We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Okay, Eric, I must say it is difficult to go so long without talking to you. How long has it been? It's been a month since we last talked. Yeah, it, uh, it, it does feel like it's a long time. Yeah. So um, so I want to check in on how things were going, uh, are going with, with what we talked about before. Just a refresher. We talked about one, having a canned response in your email to send to people when they're upset. And two, scheduling to send out the, the, the email when somebody's upset. And we talked about pre-planning how you're going to exit the school and creating different experiences around things that were a bad experience. So I just want to check in about those things and then hear, hear how they're going or if they're no longer relevant and you've like totally solved them. Yeah, I, uh, man, a month is a long time to go without us talking. That's why it, it feels like so long. That's probably normal for some people like to, to go a month, but yeah. Um, you know, the, the first couple of things that we talked about in our last coaching session with the can responses and scheduling emails has been working, um, so well, I've actually had, uh, a couple opportunities to share that with some teachers that, um, you know, that feeling teachers get like when they get in an email war with a parent and they're like, Oh shoot, I better, BCC or forward the chain to the principal just in case the the parent comes in or calls them. And so I've had that happen with a few staff and I've um, tried to share that same strategy with them. Um, It's just heartbreaking. Like when you see a teacher 
one was last week, get an email from a parent and respond right away, which never wins. You never win an email war. And then it kept going and I quit reading, but like the last timestamp was like 8.39 PM. I was like, man, this poor teacher's literally losing sleep and not doing other things, you know, enjoying family time or time away from school because they just kept going back and forth with with this parent through email. So that's been working well. And I and I've been putting it to good use. Good. Yeah. Um, um I, I have not had I do I need to talk to him just to see because I it seems like a an unusual conversation when we we talked about like a a pre-planned exit, like to have an agreement with your superintendent, like, hey, someday when I leave, this is this is how it'll be. And you got to promise me a chance to communicate it, you know, respectfully and professionally. I haven't had a chance to do that um, yet. I haven't had an admin meeting yet, but I'm going to tomorrow and I'm going to see how that goes. He'll probably laugh and be like, what, why would you feel the need to talk to me? So I'll need to give him some, some background on that. Why, why yeah. you felt like it was important. Well, and I think this is something that maybe this isn't really an issue. It was just what people said was an issue, right? And so we have to be open to that idea as well, that maybe people are saying they're afraid of that, when in reality, they're not afraid of it, but they don't know how else to express what's going on. So, you know, it's it's been a month, you haven't taken any action on this thing. Maybe it's not actually that important. Maybe it is, but that's for you to decide and understand. But I want to make sure that we're, we're okay and open to the idea that maybe it's not necessary. Maybe it's not something that we need to spend any time or energy on, but it felt in the moment like it was, and maybe time has healed those wounds and that doesn't need to exist. I don't yeah. know. What and do I would think? say, I would say that's definitely true. And having a month of time and distance from it, you know, we talked about creating positive experiences with like the all call to a staff meeting. I, I haven't heard or seen, it hasn't come up at all with any staff in the last month. And I think they've moved past that. And I was probably just a little taken aback by it. Like, really, that's a, that's a, like a wound they have. And so I, I haven't had to do that. And I, I feel like that's definitely something that almost halfway through a school year, they, they won't feel like is an issue. I am going to talk to my superintendent though, about the pre-plan exit though, just because I want to yeah. see the reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good. And and I, I can appreciate that because I think there's there's a recognition there that um that that your superintendent may say, oh, that's interesting that they feel that way, and maybe do some self-reflection himself and say, maybe I can I can think about how I do this. Like if if I send an email to all the staff and this is what I've said the last four times, that's what they're going to be expecting. And you know, that I think that'll be a fun conversation. You'll have to text me and tell me how that one goes. Cause I'm curious about that. Yeah. So what's on your mind today? You know, this, this probably isn't a new thing, but it, it, it seemed new to me. We hear all the time as principals and, and we should do this without being told you got to be the instructional leader, be the instructional leader, be in classrooms, be involved in curriculum assessments, student learning, model lifelong learning. But I was talking to somebody I interviewed for the podcast last week that kind of flipped that on its head. And, and um, Eric Brannister asked me, he said, hey, 
you know, are you an instructional leader or are you a people leader? And I've been thinking a lot about that since our conversation last week. There's so many things I've tried to focus on, you know, the, the stuff, the things that need to change, the tangible stuff. And when we were talking about recruiting and mostly retaining quality staff, it, it almost seemed too good to be true and too simple. But he's like, you know, but you're always going to have to take care of those things and that stuff. But really a good leader that wants to keep good staff, you should be taking care of people first. And so I've never heard that term, like be a people leader over an instructional leader as a, a building administrator, but it's made me kind of rethink like, what, what is my priority? Am I running down people saying, Hey, get this done, do this, cross this off your list, help me fix this or something as simple as doing all right. How are things going? What, what can I take off your plate today? So I wanted to see if you had some ideas for me, how to be more of a people leader instead of just a instructional leader, or a leader of things. Yeah. Well, um, I'm so glad that you ask because you'll notice in my book, how to be a transformative principal. There is a whole section of that book that does not exist. And I only talk about it a little bit because we, and I think that Eric's phrase of, are you a people leader is a better way to ask it than what I said. Um, which is basically that being an instructional leader is not really that important if you don't do all the other stuff well. So it's, it's all well and good to be an instructional leader, but if nobody likes you and you don't like anybody, it doesn't even matter. Right. (laughs) Everybody quits and yeah. 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 So, so I think Eric is, is spot on about that. And we, we have to recognize that we need to be, people leaders first. And the way that I talk about that the most is I say, we have to recognize that every single person that we're working with has value as an individual first and foremost, and that that is the most important. The way that I phrase that because of who I am is in a spiritual capacity. I believe that every person is a child of God. Therefore, they are wonderful and amazing and unique and powerful. Not everybody agrees with that. And that's fine. But for me, that's how I phrase that. And that's what helps me see the value that people have inherently. For anybody else who doesn't believe that, you can recognize that people have worth just by virtue of being a human being. Therefore, you can treat them with respect and compassion from the beginning. So in all the things that we do, we've really got to focus on the individual and what's working or not working for that individual. My big uh, my big rally against data is that data is talking about groups of people and never focused on the individual person. And so if 97% of your students are at grade level or, or have mastery in a certain thing, 3% of your students are 100% not there. And those 3% have a very different experience than everybody else. And so that would be the first thing that I would say is if you want to be a people leader, you need to focus on the individual. You can't you can't ignore the individual for the sake of data because that that ignores who that individual person is. So so that's that's the big viewpoint that I take. Let's talk about some specific things that you think you need to improve on 
in being a people leader? Because you and I both know you already do a lot of things really well. So what are some areas where you feel like you could use some refinement or improvement? Well, my conversation with Eric made me think about, you know, when I'm talking to a staff member, how, how much of that is focused on them as a person and how much of it is other stuff. Cause, cause rarely do I make it intentional to go like seek someone out and kind of just check in with them or check up, check up on them. You know, usually it's like, well, we schedule meetings with people that we got stuff to do or we need to make decisions or we need to finish something. So I, I wondered if that was something that would help me is, you know, like with teachers making it a concerted effort to stop by like on their planning time, just to check in with them, see how they're doing that. Would that be a way? Yeah. Like, are you still doing your morning laps? Yes. And is that an opportunity for you to focus on the individual? Yeah. Yep. I usually, I get up there like teachers that I can check in with are ones that have planning that first period. The other ones I usually don't because they'll have kids coming in by then. So I was thinking like during planning would be a time I could, instead of just taking a morning lap, find schedule them like throughout the week. Hey, get up there at mid morning, get up there after lunch. Cause there's definitely some that I don't see and, ch- and check in with as much. So this is an important evolution. I, I believe. So you've been doing these morning check-ins, you're observing in classrooms, you're going and seeing what's going on in the classroom with students there. And you're feeling that you are not as connected to the individual teachers as you would want to be. Is that a fair summary? Yes. Okay. So now you're saying, man, it's nice for me to go see their classrooms with kids in there, but I'm not spending any time building rapport, getting to know them better or understanding them as individuals. So what can I do now better to meet their needs? And so you're recognizing that one thing you could do is schedule your check-ins during their planning period so that there's less instructional observations Mm -hmm. and more in-person individual observations. Does that sound right? Yeah. Like shifting the focus from being visible and being around to actually talking to them, interacting, building a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So that's powerful, right? So you're going from being visible to being impactful. Why do you feel like you need to make this shift yourself personally right now? Well, part of it was my conversation with Eric and just kind of reframing my whole thinking of like, where is my focus and what is my priority? And it should be more on people, but also... (laughs) just a, a, a short interaction I had where it was the last period of the day, last day of the week, last week, I see a teacher and they're like, Hey, Eric, how was your week? And it made me, they weren't being rude or like pointing this out, but in my mind, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I didn't talk to them all week. Yeah. Like they probably didn't even know if I was, you know, around or I was okay or something happened. And I'm like, man, it shouldn't be the last period of the last day of the week before I get a chance to at least check in with somebody. It's not that big of a school. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty uh, powerful realization, I think. Yeah. What they, feeling? What feelings did you have associated with that when you said well, I haven't I, seen you all week? I just felt guilty, you know, and I tried, they, they weren't like pointing that out. I, 
I think it's just kind of how I took it. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, that, that shouldn't be a conversation that I'm having with somebody on the way out the doors. Like, all right, hope you had a good week. Have a good weekend. Maybe I'll see you next week. Maybe, no. <laughs> maybe who knows? It, it just, it really did make me feel guilty. I'm like, you know, I, I don't know that, that my focus is in the right spot. If that's, uh, that's the interaction I'm having with the teacher in a small school. Yeah. So let's shift the conversation just a little bit and talk about instructional leadership for a moment, because I think that this highlights an important distinction. From what sources can your teachers learn to be better teachers? I'd say from their colleagues, from just themselves, those that are just, you know, internally driven to do it, will seek out ways um, through technology or other resources, colleagues and probably administrators would be the top three books, probably mm -hmm. conferences, ed camps, like any kind like blogs and TikTok videos, even like there are lots of ways to learn how to be a better teacher. Yeah. One of the problems with our profession is that because we say that we need to be the instructional leader, we, we make it seem like we are the only source of how teachers can improve, right? And and that's what the term instructional leader connotes. And it doesn't, it's not that exactly, but that's the connotation is that if you're the instructional leader, then you have all of the answers. Mm -hmm. And that's really not the case. And there's plenty of other opportunities for people to to learn and grow and and develop. So I think the the important thing here to think about is that your teachers don't actually need you to tell them how to be better teachers. They probably have lots of examples of that already, and they may need some specific help in specific areas, but for the most part, they probably don't really need that. A brand new teacher who doesn't have connections and relationships with others may need that more than somebody who's been around for more than three years and has some idea of how to already improve their teaching. How do you react to that? What do you think about that idea? I think you're right. But it, my first thought was then why do we do so many teacher evaluations? I know, right? And it's also probably why good teachers kind of feel, I don't know if offended is the right word, but when they're, an effective experienced teacher who's seeking out resources and ways to get better. And then a principal comes in and was like, Hey, do this. It's almost kind of like degrading in a way. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not sitting around waiting to get better until you tell me good teachers aren't waiting for a, an administrator to come in and fill out a rubric and yeah, then say, Oh, now I'll, I'll get better. No, good teachers are always getting better. Yeah. regardless of what they're getting from an administrator, but also why are we doing teacher evaluations? Yeah. Um, so we're doing teacher evaluations because it is legislatively convenient for that to happen. That's really all there is to it. So there's no real reason for us to do that besides we just need somebody to say you're good enough. And part of the problem is that like 97% of all teachers get a satisfactory uh, rating on their evaluation. And so it's not even that meaningful for that 
for us to do that in the first place, yet we still do it. So I would say if you, there are many ways that you can support teachers besides being the quote unquote instructional leader. You can be the people leader and help them solve problems and get solutions that they need in the moment rather than trying to you know, just tell them how to be better teachers. And I think most people who advocate for the principal being the instructional leader would not say that like you are the source of all information about good teaching. Um, That's just how it feels. Like you said, a a teacher doesn't suddenly realize, oh, I can do better because the principal came in and said, you got a three on this rubric and here's what you do to get a four. That's like, boy, that is like the most boring work ever, (laughs) right? But helping someone see that they can get better by bringing something out of them that they didn't know was there. The only way to do that is to be a people leader and not an instructional leader. I don't know the history of the term instructional leader, but sometimes I feel like it's something superintendents came up with to get principals out of their office. (laughs) That old, you know, like you think of the old school principals, like things are clean, things run on time, things are organized, disciplines dealt with. The kind of stuff that, you know, you have to do as a principal because everybody will make sure you know you have to do it. But getting in classrooms and being involved in what we're really doing here, which is teaching and learning, was a shift for some some people. Yeah. I think so. So if you take that approach now that you are a people leader, what needs to change about your day-to-day practices in order for you to be a people leader. We already talked about instead of doing the morning lap, you're going to do a break it up throughout the week into different days. What else needs to change? Did you ever get the feeling as a principal, there were some teachers that just didn't want to be the squeaky wheel and like, didn't want to seek out help or feedback. Oh yes. Not that they like have anything to hide or they're not, as effective or anything like that, but I'm starting as, since I'm new this year, it's taken me a while, but I'm starting to get a feeling for a few that just, you know, they don't want to be a burden or I don't want to bug anybody. I don't want to ask for help. You have any good ideas just to help them feel a little more connected and like, you don't want to force them to like, Hey, check in with me this many times a a month or something. But I feel like they kind of cruise under the radar and go unnoticed, which isn't a good thing. Yeah. Well, I think you're asking the exactly right question of how do I help those who are avoiding or resisting asking for help? Yeah. That is being a people leader because that is recognizing who those people are and finding ways that you can provide support to them to help them in whatever it is that they need. And you may not even know what it is that they need, and you may never find out exactly what they need but you can still help them by paying attention to them and being there and supporting. So I think last time you talked about somebody who, um, who like didn't have enough chairs. Is that right? Yep. And so you're like, what, let's get you some chairs. What are we doing here? (laughs) Like kids need to sit. It's not a big deal. So being present and knowing, noticing and knowing what's going on is a great way to do that. Um, and I, I think that finding those who cruise under the radar and reaching out to them specifically is a great way to do that and to reach out to them intentionally. And 
answer their needs before they even have a chance to ask for them. So think about the teachers that you're working with uh, without saying their names because it doesn't matter. But what's a need that is unrecognized right now that you know about that you could do something about? Well, I think with teachers that are new to the district, one one need is like just resources, like materials and things that I would hope that everybody has and needs for class and students, but doesn't. That'd be one. So what can you do to help that person get that thing today? Like what what is in your capacity to make sure they have what they need today? Well, not Not tomorrow or next week, but like literally today. What could you do today? I guess just give them permission. You know, if there isn't something in their teacher budget, find another way to buy it. You know, I noticed doing walkthroughs the other day, there was a teacher who was making copies of a textbook and then kids had like stapled textbook sections they were reading from. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that teacher having to make copies every time they want to read a section of the textbook because we don't have enough books? Like I could fix that. Give me a link. Let's buy it. We'll, we'll find, find the money. So that that's one that, you know, I think maybe it's that old school mentality. Like when you're a new teacher, you know, keep your head down. Yep. Don't, don't smile don't, till Christmas. Don't smile till Christmas. Don't speak yep. up in a staff meeting until you're tenured, all that silly old advice. Yeah. I I actually was talking with someone last week who said that when she, she said, your superintendent does not want to hear what you have to say. So keep your mouth shut in meetings with them. And I was like, oh, man, that's, that could be the truth. But how tragic that somebody would think that and that that's the way to do things. So, yeah, I'm sure that there is information like that going out to teachers in your building that are saying, don't ask for anything. Don't speak up. Don't say anything. Just like grin and bear it and eventually or just go buy it out of your own pocket when really it should be a school provided thing. Yeah, I, I think that that like making sure they have the materials and resources is is powerful so how could you find out if someone needs those things today also because you may have an idea but how do you go find out i guess i just got to ask them right yeah i mean unless unless it's as obvious as the one that i noticed and i'm like oh even i can tell we we're missing something here but really i guess that should probably just be a question and i feel bad i i didn't think to ask that before the start of the year because that should be something that we're not waiting till you know months into a school year before somebody checks in on or or asks about. Yeah, and and likely these people who are flying under the radar are going to say, "I don't need anything. I have everything I need." Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, a, a question that I started our conversation with today, I think, because I I said it in my mind. If I didn't say it yeah. out loud, <laughs> was what's on your mind. And, and asking that question opens it up for them to say anything. And they may be, they may, they may not be very clear about it uh, themselves, but they'll appreciate that you're asking. Another question is what else? And another question is what is your specific challenge? And another question is how can I help? All of those questions are powerful in getting you to where you can actually provide support to someone. 
And those all come from a book called The Coaching Habit, which um, we read in the Mastermind. I don't remember if you were in the Mastermind when we read that or not. I don't think so. Um, but I will I will put a link to my uh, one page summary of that book in the in the show notes so people can have it because it it goes over those questions and helps you see how powerful they can be in everyday conversations. And it's how I try to run most of my meetings with people is because I'm, I'm a server. I want to help people. And so that's what I try to do is, is ask that. And then um, I'll ask my favorite question (laughs) that you know, that I love from the mastermind, which is what was most valuable to you today. And so for you today, Eric, what was most valuable from our conversation? I was taking some notes and I think my favorite, my favorite note that I took was, I liked how you put it. You said, focused on the individual, not just the data. It's not just about numbers and percentages, but it's about people and individuals. And now just trying to find some ways to make it happen. But I know it's a a bit of a mind shift for me that I gotta, I gotta make and make more of a priority. Yeah. And I truly believe that if everybody was focusing on the individual, then the data would follow. And it's, it's crazy to think that it wouldn't because when people feel supported, loved, paid attention to, uh, everything improves. That's called connection. That's how we heal trauma. That's how we help others become their best selves. We don't like you and I both have had people that we have admired who have never told us anything that we needed to do to be better but have still made us want to be better and become better just mm-hmm. because we knew they cared about us. Right. Yeah. It so, helps build a, build a sense of belonging too, which is important for, yeah. for staff and for students. Yeah. I like it. Can I, um, can I brag about you before we get off? Yeah. You know, we might as well. <laughs> I, I almost threw this out there as my answer for most valuable part of today, but you, you probably wouldn't have accepted it because it wasn't anything you did today. But um, at our, we had our principals conference last week and I got to uh, hear Todd Whitaker, who, you know, I love one of my favorite educators and authors of all time. He's awesome. But he was talking about um, and teaching the principals some, some different ways to approach um, interviews and hiring and, and calling references. And um, I got to brag to some of the principals I was working with about, um, I think it was your last chapter in how to be a transformative principal where you Mm -hmm. talked about calling the applicants before the interview and telling them this is the kind of school we are and this is what we're about. And, And if you're not up for that, that's okay. Pull your name out now. And, um, yeah, they loved it. And then they were asking me like, whoa, what, what book is that? But it, it was, it was something innovative to them, but I know you've been doing and really helps you recruit quality teachers and get the right people in the school that want to be a part of what you're doing. Yeah, that's good. I I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing. And thanks for uh, sharing that with them also. Um, I actually was at a conference uh, in Orlando with uh, Rick Warmly and Rick and Todd, I interviewed on transformative principle. And it, it's funny you bring up Todd because Rick said, have you talked to Todd with recently? And I was like, no, I haven't. And he's like, oh, well, I'll tell him 
that I saw you and, and that you said hello and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I certainly don't it, see man, it. If, if you're hanging <laughs> yeah. out with Rick Wormley and Todd Whitaker. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, what, and that goes back to this idea that we've been talking about. Rick made me feel like I should be talking to Todd on a regular basis and he should be a friend that I talk to. And he didn't make me feel like I was less than or some random guy. He made me feel like I was actually valuable. And it was a good example of being a people leader uh, that we've been talking about this whole time that I felt respected. I felt appreciated. And I felt like um, like I mattered to him and that, you know, there's a good example there. Well, I, I was sitting next to another principal and as Todd was wrapping up, I said, Hey, I know this makes me a nerd, but as soon as he's done, will you come up and take a picture of me with him? Yeah. Well, before I could get up there, I was sitting in the very back. I bet there were 40, maybe 40 other principals that, that beat me to it, which yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm not the only nerd here. <laughs> That's um, right. But the line was so long, I felt bad he was going to miss his flight. So I ended up talking to him and getting a picture on his way out of the hotel. I okay. Outside. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, good. Very good. He he is an awesome guy, and I'm glad that you got to experience that. Thanks for this conversation today. As always, this is a ton of fun, and I'm loving uh, the fact that you're doing interviews for the show, and I encourage people to listen to those as well because there's a wealth of knowledge there also. So thank you for being part of this. Yeah, thank you, Jethro. Thanks for your help again today. Do you want to simplify your school's technology? save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.